Well, we're live, and we're so grateful and happy to be back with you. Welcome. Welcome to the Keys 107. I'm your host, Rafika. My co-host, Brother James, is here. He's in the studio. Our special guest, Dr. Chris Hickey, is on the line. The chat room is open on Blog Talk Radio chat room, and the chat room is open on Facebook. Twitter is live, so get ready. Get your pen and your paper. Call in, 213-943-3618. That's 213-943-3618. We have a very special, unique show scheduled, <clears throat> a very special, unique show scheduled for you where we're going to delve deep into that whole conversation about growing up without a father and what really does that mean, what is the impact of being without a father, are you always looking for that father figure, how does, the, how does that how did that and how does that impact your life? Our special guest, uh, Dr. Chris Hickey, is the founder and the executive director of Each One Teach One Alliance for Academic Access, Achievement, and Success, an organization that focuses on efforts to heighten community awareness of the overwhelming importance of, re- of reforming educational practices, practices targeting at youth risks. We're going to go straight to the healthy tip of the day with our organic soul chef, Medea Allen, and give my co-host, Brother James, a chance to check in. So we'll be right back. The Keys 107 at com presents the healthy tip of the day. The healthy tip of the day is to spend time in nature. Being in nature is an excellent way to connect with the earth and its natural rhythm. At least once a week for 30 minutes, explore your local parks by walking a trail or finding a peaceful place just to relax. When you start communing regularly with nature, expect to feel more at peace and calm within. Today's healthy tip of the day has been brought to you by wellness expert Medea Allen. I invite you to learn more about me and my services at www.organicsoulchef.com. Organic Soul Chef for just blessing us with those wonderful healthy tips. The Keys 107 announced on our last show that we are getting ready to go to South Africa, and you are invited. If you'd like more information about that, inbox us or email us at suggestions at thekeys107network.com. The trip is scheduled for the first two weeks in July. We'll be going to Durban, to Johannesburg, and to Cape Town. I was going to say Cape May, uh, Brother James. You know, sometimes when I say Cape, I automatically go back to that wonderful vacation we had on the coast. But anyway, welcome. Welcome to the Keys 107 Network. Uh, Brother James, uh, is there something new in your world you want to share with our audience? Well, I'll tell you what's prominent on my mind today is this whole concept about being an admired man. And since Mm. I began to read this book by our brother, Dr. Hickey, 
I have begun to think or rethink what it is to be a man, a man who is admired. Now, I'm not saying we should seek out admiration, but this is worthiness. You know, uh, all of us are born in this world with a purpose. And if we reflect the goodness of this world, surely those around us will admire us. And for us to be able to look at each other, you know, men, and see something good in each one that tells us that admiration could possibly be the thing that brings our family closest together, reshapes our communities, and, you know, it's just a wonderful thing. So I'm fired up to hear from our brother, and we should just come on and bring him on and welcome to the Keys 107 family because he has done a scholarly work with dealing with the concept, or more than the concept, the absolute thing that we have to do is to become an admired man. So, brother, Hickey, well, are James, you before here? We, yes. James, before we bring in um, Chris Hickey, I just have a few people that i got to acknowledge. I have to acknowledge uh, my good friend and bona fide partner in publicity. We go so far back in time, and we've had some wonderful times in the entertainment industry, just tearing down reggae music and defining what reggae PR is all about. And her name is Carol Denise Kwashi, and Carol is listening in today, and I just want to say welcome to my girl, CQ. I hope everything is working out well for you. And also uh, Lonnie Gamble from Kappa, who brought stylistics on the show with for us, Russell and Raymond and Eddie Holman. He's preparing for another show coming up in April, and we just want to send some greetings out to Lonnie Gamble and to uh, Rick J.R. Strong from HRM on Hoodridge Magazine. The chat room is open in Facebook. I see you in the CQ. Also, I asked a question on Facebook some time ago. Do you have an admired man? I think you too, uh, James, asked that same question in your life. And I just want to say that I have a few admired men in my life, and I want to uphold and uplift my father, John Wilson Sorry Jr., John Wilson Sorry Sr., for being the admired man in my life, and of course my ace cousin, DeForest B. Sorry's, and my son, Sadat Rafiq Muhammad Gresham, and you, my husband, Brother James. These are some of the admired men, along with my brothers, Michael, Umar, and Kim, some of the admired men in my life, and I'm going to talk about that a little later. But um, without further delay, because <laughs> you and I can go on for a long time, Chris Hickey, your mic is live. Check in. Welcome. Welcome to the Keys 107. Thank you very, very, very much. I I am so appreciative and honored to be your guest. I want to thank you and Brother James for, for allowing me this space and for reading my book, of course. And I also want to thank <laughs> your listeners and followers. Uh, you know, I know that, that, that it's hard work to, uh, to, to to have followers that follow in the way that they are with you, so I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Well, you know, we Chris, thank you, my before, we get deep, before we get deep into this conversation about the admired man, I just want to tell you thank you, because when you were supposed to broadcast with us last time, we had all kinds of electric technology problems, and we just could not get that show going. And we talked on the phone after that, and you were just so kind to say, listen, whenever you're ready, we can do that show. Well, that you know that goes along with being an admired man. My efforts to be an admired man too. That's one of the things that and we'll talk about it. But one of the characteristics is is contemplating and and meditating and relaxing and not letting everything throw you all off. Staying on your game, staying staying informed and staying ready for when the time mm. comes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, brother. I just want to say, brother, um, before we get into it really deep, there is so much that we can't admire about a man if he's just trying to be the best person he can possibly be. And it's endless. It's endless. There's so many great characteristics that all men could share. We can't do them all. We can't be admired about everything, but we certainly can be admired about something. And that is the thing that has been, uh, I've been holding on to since the very moment I picked up your book and began to read. So, Brother James, I, I, particularly, I particularly appreciate one of the words you used, is having a purpose. Overall, yes. I think if I were put a blanket over all of the characteristics and qualities and behaviors and skills, ultimately it's about having a purpose. And as you say, what what do people see in you? Hmm. Hmm. Mm, that's, that, that's a question that was posed to a, a, a great brother who's a great example for us. They said, what manner of man is he, <laughs> you know? So yeah. we can kind of, you know, we can kind of dovetail right off that, you know. What manner of man is he? And we can look at ourselves, you know. We should look at that man in the mirror and say, what do people see in me? What do I want people to see in me? So it's a beautiful thing. Now, I just need to ask, what was the inspiration for you to begin to write this book? Well, it's a it's a long history uh, myself. Uh, there's a number of things that really inspired me, but they're linked. Uh, it started off when I went to junior high school, when I first started junior high school. I grew up in the housing projects in Watt, and I grew up in a community that there were a lot of men, but there were no real fathers. Uh, so mm. it was an underserved community, and there were no real fathers, and there were a lot of men, and even in my own family, there were nobody that was really a father figure, and that, you know, living in a community like that, I did not know that I was missing that, and then when I went to junior high school and drew children from another community, then I had an incident where I went to father-son night, not knowing and thinking about the father part, and I showed up at father-son night by myself, dressed in the clothes that I went home from school in, and it was shocking and, and painful to me to watch my friends with their fathers. They were dressed in suits and dressed nice, and that's, what I saw was the respect that their fathers had for them and the respect they had for their fathers and the men employees at the school, the teachers and coaches, the respect they had for both of them. And I felt isolated. I felt betrayed, like what happened to me and what's wrong with me? And so I recall mm. going home, walking home that night and crying and angry, and then I didn't know what I was angry at and I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't want to go to school the next day because I was embarrassed. And I made a commitment to be conscious of of those feelings and to try to change it for myself. I made a commitment to first 
I was going to have father-son night again, father-son night, father-daughter night, father-son night, only I was going to be the father. So I was going to, I was committed mm. to have that experience. And, and the, But with that commitment, I started understanding and being conscious of experiences. And so that began my exploration and the thinking about the consciousness and experience that I'm having in, the, in my life. And then the second thing is once I had my own son and I started going through the experience of doing things different with my son, reflecting back on the things that I felt were missing in my life and trying to put them in his life and my daughter's life. And so that inspired me, and again, exploring that experience, not just doing it, but really getting deep in myself about the experience that I'm having and investigating the Mm -hmm. experience that my children were having. And then more recently, Mm -hmm. my son has a son. He has a son Mm -hmm. now, and I recognize, wow, one of the things that really hit me in the face is the difference in what my son is going through and what I went through with him. I was a good father with my son and daughter, but I was coming from from deficits. I was coming from I want to make corrections. And notice with my son, he's not coming from there. He's doing what was modeled for him. And so his right. experience or the way I see his experience is kind of different than mine. So I had multiple uh, inspirations to just finally say, you know what, i got to share this book. And, and as you say, you, you guys have read it. It's not just about just concrete words and things. It's about experiences. And that's why the book yeah. tells stories, because I want people to feel the experience that people have, men, women, boys, and girls, about mm. about admirable men in their lives. Mm. Well, you know, I want to say this. You, uh, there's a lot in just a brief um, answer in terms of um, what inspired you, but some key words that I heard you say that it rings in my ear. The mutual respect between the father and son that you've seen when you went to that open school night or the the uh, the, the father and son night, you've seen a mutual respect between the dad and the son. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's that's deep because I remember I highlighted in your book on page 164 where it was dealing with case studies on fathers and sons with mutual respect, and it, a quote was in it. A son who, in his own mind, never matches his father's performance, performance is vulnerable to a life that feels incomplete, unfulfilled, and unsatisfying, no matter how much he, the son, objectively accomplished. So here, that talks about an experience that now your son, having a guide in you, he know he tried to match what you were doing. Now he's able to now do it in a skillful way for his young man that he's raising up. So yes. our expectations, um, you know, if you not have not been shown how to be a father, you know, can anybody really expect you to be a great father, um, a, even perhaps a, a good father? It's a difficult task. It is, and that was one of the objectives that I wanted to do with the book for those that have not. We talk about skills. We talk about specific things that you can practice so that, mm. you know, it, it raises your your index with respect to being a man. And and the thing that, again, I made the book, I intentionally called it Admired Man and not Admired Father because if mm. we can focus on as boys becoming admired men, then mm. it leads to being not only an admired father but admired brother, an admired husband, an admired cousin, mm. an admired mm. neighbor. Uh, and an mm. employee, and so that's why I wanted to. I, I raised the bar and said, 
we need to be think about and be conscious of what kind of men we are. And I like that you pointed out that mutual respect because that goes along with it. When you when you mm. feel good about yourself and you know that people admire you, primarily it's because of the respect you show for yourself and for them. Mm. And, and the other point that you made, I, I really like about the the man, the boy wanting to live up to the expectations of his father. There's a, a a term that I use in the book, father hunger. Now imagine that same scenario where there is no father, where the whole right. criteria of trying to match something or trying to live up to something still exists. You're still having that experience with a with a ghost, with a blank. And so now you're mm. fantasizing, you have a fantasy father that you're trying to mm. live up to the expectations. And then the reality turns around and hits you, but wait a minute, I don't have a father. So now you're left in this quagmire of living up to some expectations of something that doesn't exist, that you fantasize. Wow. Wow. That, I mean... You, that is uh, that something that is dealing with your your self identity because you can't identify, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, you it's just it's just a wonderful thing that you have done in terms of just zeroing in on probably the number one problem in families is um, that that man figure either being absent or being inadequate. Yes. Yes. And the same thing applies. I want to make sure your audience realizes that same thing. The scenario I just drew. It applies almost more profound with girls than it does boys. There's this mm. fantasy father, like you said, when he's inadequate or doesn't exist at all, the the relationship still exists. She still has a relationship with now a fantasy father. And so mm. this is why other men, and, and I, I really hit men in the face with this. I always, when I go in a workshop, I ask men, how many of you have daughters? And I said, now, I'm going to hurt you with this one. But I need you to know, your daughters, by and large, not 100%, but by and large, they're going to seek the companionship of what they see or don't see in you. And mm. so it, it's on us because they will do that. And I interview women all, time and time again, and they tell me that they have sought out when they didn't, when they had fabulous fathers, those are the kind of men primarily they sought. And when they didn't, or uh, ineffective fathers or, or unengaged fathers, they found out they they found themselves seeking the companionship of that as well, and so you it's know a, it's a you you've identified it. You, it's a it's a problem. When you Go talk ahead. about um, women seeking um, that connection with the father who was who is missing in their life, and you say they they connect with a the, a fantasy father, that fantasy. The nucleus of that fantasy or the genesis of that fantasy comes from someplace. Yeah. Where is it coming from? Is it coming from the media? Is it coming from a, a, a impression that they have of their friends? Where where well, is that idea, that fantasy of their father coming from? And and and, and it, we we both know that it can be dangerous, right? Yes, yes, and and you're hitting on some something very very complex because as you say, the, they can get. Uh, an idea of what a fantasy, what a father is through television and the media. And so they can put up an idea of father. But at the same time, with with respect to the individual, whether it's a girl or boy, they still construct something of themselves based on who they think they are. So imagine, let's take me for an example, thinking that there's something inadequate about me. And so that 
that thought of inadequacy is still in the mix with the respect of me building a fantasy father, is that I can seek out behaviors in myself that are inadequate because I'm inadequate, because, and I'm inadequate because I don't have a father. And so that fantasy father, I can look at a fantasy father. I hate to use Bill Cosby for an example, but he did it back then. That fantasy father is something, while I might want to seek it, at the same time I'm thinking I don't deserve that because mm. I, I clearly don't deserve it because I don't have it. Mm. And so through mm. that complexity, this is why through that complexity, young men tend to tend to to gravitate to to negative figures, older boys or men in their community that are. This is why we have gang leaders and things like that. And young ladies gravitate to to men that are not that do not have their best interests at heart because within themselves there's a feeling of inadequacy and mm. a feeling of not deserving what it is they fantasize about. Wow. You know, this, we need to stay right here for a few minutes on this on this particular topic because, you know, um, I know you're from the West Coast and you're probably familiar when you mentioned the gangs. Um, yeah. Uh, there is a brother that we all have learned a lot about over the years that was a, um, a L.A. Crip, and yeah. uh, his name was Monster Cody Ross. Yeah. Monster Cody was known from coast to coast. And you had an opportunity to kind of tune into some of his behavior um, as it relates to his gangbanging years and the causes of it or the effects of not, maybe not having a father in his life. Can you talk about yeah. that a little? Yeah, I, I, I particularly like uh, the whole thing about uh, Master Cody. Uh, interestingly enough, he lived right down the street from my girlfriend. I, I probably ran into him <laughs> when I found out. But anyway, but his 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 story is very interesting in that he had a family, um, and his father was actually a football player for the Rams, Dick Bass, um, mm-hmm. through a through a a, 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 a a through a extramarital affair that his mother had. So he had a right. father at home, or he had a father at home that he thought was his father that was not really his father, but he was the father of the other children. And so he recognized, he was into, he told this story after he went to jail, that he knew that mm-hmm. this man that was at home treated the other kids much different than him. He would, they would take him to his family, and they would go on trips, and he would always leave him. And he asked his mother, and his mother said, well, because you're really special and you belong to me. And it wasn't until later that he realized that Dick Bass was his father. Now, there were Ram players that would come to his house uh, and and call themselves his uncles, but Dick Bass would not. He did not claim him either. And so Mm. he talked about, when I heard him talking about this, he actually broke down and cried about, mm. and, and first, after going through some cussing, of course, <laughs> you know, just yes, walked down yeah. and cried about this, you know, and, and he attributed kind of some of his behaviors to this conflict that he was having, not being treated well by his real father, and then, uh, not being treated well by who he thought was his father, and then finding out his real father was denying that he was his father. Now, the interesting thing about about him uh, that I talk about in the book is there's a, because he was from a relatively underserved community an African-American, there's another guy that I told the story right next to his, uh, Elliot Rogers, a white, well-to-do young man that lived in Santa Barbara. And 
he had a similar situation where his real father divorced his mother and married someone else and had some other kids, and he didn't know, he didn't like the way he felt about that. And mm. he went on, interestingly enough, considering the things that have gone on today, he went on a killing spree, just killed up a whole mm. bunch of people in Santa Monica and, and in Malibu. And he wrote and he wrote his manifesto. He wrote why he was doing this. And what I found interesting is that his story was so clearly much like Master Cody's was. They were saying the same thing. You had a, a poor black kid and you had a rich white kid, and they were saying the same story about their father and this feeling of abandonment. And the interesting mm. thing about and they were both killers. Uh, the interesting mm. thing about uh, Elliot Rogers is that he wrote in his manifesto that he had an intent to go and kill his stepmother. And he said that he could not because he was afraid. After all this, he was afraid that his father might be there. And after all of this, he could not fathom hurting his father. You know, after mm. all of this pain, pain built up enough to murder other people, but he could not fathom hurting his father's feelings. Mm. And so the comparison, again, is, and, and I like to talk about that, is this is not a black or poor thing, this issue about father abandonment and the need for admired men in your life. This is really, and I've just recently discovered this is global. I just came back yes. from a conference where I spoke in Poland, and I was amazed at from the United Kingdom, from Eastern Europe, from the Czech Republic, from Japan, from Africa. They were all talking about the same thing as if in the same manner that I was talking about, and they all resonate with what I was saying as the kinds of things that exist in their countries with respect to mm. abandonment from fathers. Mm. Wow. Um, there's a couple of things that I also picked up in your book that speaks to this. We're talking about the emotional um Quoting, uh, I would call in education, they call it emotional uh, EQ, emotional quoting, how feelings, you know, yeah. um, human feelings and emotions uh, play, a, uh, play a role in a person's development in their character yeah. and their disposition and their ability to be successful. Um, and um, there's a cause and effect with these relationships in terms of our parent child interactions, you know, yes. whether, like you said, a, a, a father who's inadequate or abusive or a father who is absent, there's still, um, the interaction is almost non-existent, but that's also an interaction. So, yes. So talk to us about that emotional, uh, also the cognitive development, because all that leads towards the social growth and the moral growth of an individual. Well, you're, you're absolutely right, and recent studies with neuroscience, you know, where they're able to do fMRIs and really see what your brain is doing, one of the things I found interesting is they, they actually hook people up and watch their brain and use the word admiration. And, uh. and, and, and people, when they talked about people they admired, as they watched what their brain did, and they said the part that's stimulated in the brain is very close to the same area that regulates uh, self-reflection. And so, as uh, I mentioned before, is if you, you know, if your, your, your propensity to admire someone or to not admire someone is, is self-reflective, not just emotionally, but, but neurologically. And so, uh, and then we know that, that neurology leads to our emotions. So you're, you're absolutely right. There's a, there's a, there's a profound relationship 
between our emotional well-being and our cognitive well-being as well as our our achievements uh, with respect to mm. how we feel about ourselves. And one of the things that I discovered, uh, even even with this and my conversations with people, I go around, for example, I, I ask people in my workshops now to turn around to one person and say, I admire you. And I have them mm. do that and exchange that. And then I point out to them, I said, just about every one of you smiled when you said it. Every one of you smiled mm. because you can't help it. And so because it's self-reflective, you start thinking about and I'm sure when you're reading the book, you start reflecting on experiences you've had with people you admire or you don't admire. So mm. there's a very close relationship between the cognitive and emotional, uh, 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 the, the cognitive and emotional youth, I, I'll, I'll say, mm. and the ability and to connect with someone on that kind of level. And mm. to, to not be too statistical, the evidence is abound with respect to people that do not have fathers in their life, with respect to prison population, uh, uh, mm. respect to uh, to inadequate education or achievement in education is almost profound. Of course, we have other social issues that are involved in that. But by and large, across the board, those without fathers are the ones that are making up the prison population. Those are the ones that are not able to read by the time they're in the third grade. Those are the ones that are not graduating from high school. Those are the ones that are dropping out. And conversely, those that are achieving, by and large, have either a father or an admired man in their life, someone that they, that they respect and someone that respects them. You know, not right. again. It's not a hundred percent, but the the statistics are overwhelming. Well, you and know, as you said, it is up, connected to emotional. Yes, but since you brought up James, we're going to go to a, a James. We're going to go to a quick commercial break, and when we come back, mm-hmm. don't lose that thought because I know you're getting ready to get into some statistics. <laughs> um, I am Rafika, <laughs> one of the hosts of the Keys 107. Brother James is on the line, and you know what I always say, when Brother James is in the house, expect something wonderful to happen. We got Dr. Chris Hickey on the line, author of the book, Admired Man, Why? The Making of an Admired Man, Stories, Skills, and Theory. We'll be right back. Fluff presents the alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, go to www.thefluffffamily.com. Rafika Consultants and Services Technology Trainers. Do you need help making your computer or smartphone work for you? Whether it's managing your email, navigating Windows 8, working with MS Office, creating videos for YouTube, or any other technology need, our friendly and expert trainers are ready to help you get it right. We also provide public relations and web design project management. For more information, contact us at www.rafikacs.com. Com, or on Facebook at Rafika Consultants and Services. You're listening to The Keys 107, opening doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness. 
with your host, Rafika, Rafika and Brother James. James, I know before we went to commercial break, you had something that you wanted to say, and I think that you and Chris was getting ready to go into some statistical conversation. Yes. (laughs) Well, you know, I just wanted to buttress what he was saying in terms of the fatherless. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the, the, the absolute understanding of how many of us who are young men, prison, uh, because of fatherless homes, is up to 70% of, according to the United States Department of Justice, that 70% of the young men in prison are because they come from fatherless homes. Then another part of it is not only do we physically land in a place like that, we have mental disorders, behavior disorders that come about from not having that chemistry with a good man, an admired man in our life. And the CDC says that 85% of the children show that show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes, which is 20 times the average, you know what I'm saying? So that's, 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 that's very interesting. Not only do we end up in jail, some of us lose our minds. We never get it together mentally and emotionally because – the absence or the uh, or, or not having an admired man to help us to to uh, to, uh, to nurture us and to grow help us grow up. So that is deep. That is deep. Yeah. And uh, I, I absolutely agree with you, and I'm, I appreciate that you recognize. And this one of the campaigns I'm having is to bring this to the focus of a mental health issue, uh, because it absolutely is. You said 63 percent of youth suicide from fatherless homes, mm. five times the mm. average. 90% of homeless and runaway children are fatherless. 85% of children show behavior you just mentioned. Uh, 80% of rapists with anger problems fatherless homes, and this is across the board. Mm. Absolutely right. This is a, And I'm starting to get some headway with respect to this being recognized as a, a mental health issue. And so some, you know, uh, uh, professionals come into our community and they're starting to recognize the mental health part, and I'm trying to illuminate the whole issue within our community about the admired man factor. Right. Well, I want to say this also about this feeling and emotional thing, right? Uh, There's a quote that I took out your book. The quote went something like this, feelings such as admiration, are rooted deep within the brain where the basic traits like anger and fear reside. And the only reason I bring that up is that you mentioned about the rapists and the angry, angry men in prison. Yeah. And yeah. that correlates right with it because it also talks about that this admiration affects the left hemisphere of the brain, yeah. which is the maintainer of the conscious and the construction of the self-identity. So, we're saying without a man, that anger, that that anger, uh, that fear that makes us act out neg- negatively, um, is is very prevalent in our young men who are without 
an admired man in their life. Yeah, you, you know? remind me of the story I told you in the beginning is when I when I left school and was walking home, I was crying. At first I was in pain. And then I got angry and I didn't know why I was angry. Oh nor did mm. I know who I was angry at. But and you and you you've just talked about it, is there's something that goes on in my brain that I'm not even aware of. Except I just know that I'm angry. So imagine this this you know, without I had the ability to step back and watch this going on. But if it's perpetual, imagine what happens to a kid at some point they're just a walking angry person and acting out that anger without knowing why. I remember uh interestingly enough, um uh, uh for example, uh uh heavyweight champion uh, I can't think of his name, but uh he was talking about when he was a kid in Houston. Uh, um, and he was saying that he, he robbed someone, and he grew up without a father, and he said he robbed someone, and the police were chasing him, and he didn't know why. You know, he had just robbed someone, and had no idea why the police were chasing him. But it's that kind mm. of it's, it's that kind of characteristic. Uh, George Foreman was, was the champ. Uh, it's that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And, of course, then he turned into a boxer, you know, a very good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but you're, you're right. It's that, it's that connection. And if our if our social services people can start to understand is that connection between what seems purely social with what goes on neurologically and 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 emotionally within a person. Mm. Mm. Wow. Well, I think this is a good time to, um, as we have in our um, in my chat room in face in Facebook, uh, Chris. One person wanted to know just really what are the characteristics of an admired man. I think this is a good time to go into your quality behavior characteristics. Okay, yeah. QVC. Okay, so so what we did is, thank you very much for, for the acronym. Uh, what we did is we interviewed over 4,700 people asking them, name a man named Meyer, why and did they grow up with their father in their life? And what I did is I took these stories, and, and basically these were conversations I had. I, you know, I didn't have necessarily, I did have some surveys, but for the most part, most of them were conversations where I was able to establish a mutual relationship with the person. I'm very genuine, and they trust me to tell their hmm. story. And from these stories, I was able to analyze the text and come up with, some some common quality, what I call quality behavior characteristics that people had, and it had to do with quality uh, the, the 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 quality behavior characteristics. So basically, a kind of a, a a mixture of how people act and what people think of them, and basically how they behave themselves. And so, the top five quality characteristics behavior. In fact, what I want to do is I wanna, before I go there, I want to talk about the people that were admired. Uh, the top person that was admired was father. After hmm. that was friend, then husband, brother, and then grandfather. And the reason why I wanted to, to give you who was admired first, because interestingly enough, while father was the top first role that was admired, it was not the top quality. Uh, the top quality was family. So it turns out that people admired men based on how they were with their family, whether it was their mm-hmm. father, whether it was their brother or neighbor. They admired men most based on how they are with their family. The second was hardworking. People admired men that were hardworking. It didn't mean they were at work all the time, but it just there was a characteristic in them that demonstrated hardworking, whether it was at home or at work. So it was family, hardworking, and then loving, you know, showing a loving compassion, 
for them and just being affectionate. The fourth was honest. Honesty was important to people. And then finally, the fifth one was fatherly. So I found it very interesting. While the father was the most admired, it was not for being fatherly. That was fifth. It was for being family. And then being fatherly was kind of came in fifth. And so, so across the board, regardless of the role that people played, these were the quality characteristics, behaviors that people admired: uh, family, hardworking, loving, honest, and fatherly. Mm. Wow! I think we have to t- tweet that out there, Rafika. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> saying that, that is there. definitely Twitter material, um, Chris. <laughs> well, I- interesting. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you about the titles of your chapters, but I think I you just answered the question because yeah. you have titles such as Honesty Counts, Loving is So Admirable, Hardworking Men, Nothing More Important Than Families, so, and then Life Leadership Development Principles um, and Things That Matter. So those topics definitely integrate into these um, five categories that you just mentioned. Absolutely. The chapters, so you got it. The chapters were those five qualities. And then we go into leadership. One of the things that I found interesting in this research is because I would, you know, ultimately get a chance to talk to people about the concept of leadership. And while people Mm. had ideas of what leadership is, they didn't equate the relationship with men with leadership. Their fathers were Mm. leadership. They, They considered leadership a business concept. And so, what I and that's why I, I I started talking about the the skills to be uh, a, an admired man or to acquire these quality behavior characteristics as life leadership skills leadership skills because again you're beyond just in your home you're more than a father you're in the community you're again you're a relative you're a son I, and I like the way you uh, you were talking about the chapters in fact I have on a, I have a T-shirt that's written that says I put it all in one sentence. An admired man is a hardworking, honest role model and loving present or future father who cares about his family. So I came mm-hmm. up with a poetic uh, term to say this is what an admired man is. And I have it. It's mm-hmm. interesting. I love it. I have it on the back of a shirt that I wear all the time. And I'm in the grocery store. Everywhere I go, someone asks me, ooh, I like that on the shirt. What is that? What is that? Mm-hmm. And then I'm able to tell them about the book. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. We I'm we sorry, have some callers on the line, um, James and Chris, and I just want to let mm-hmm. all the callers know that if you want to speak to Chris or weigh in your thoughts about fatherhood and what are the characteristics of a admired man from your perspective, you have to press the number one on your keypad. Otherwise, uh, I don't know if you want to speak or you're just tuning in. I'm so happy that you all are with us tonight. The call-in number is 213-943-3618. And those of you who are listening online who may want to weigh in but you're shy like some of my Facebook chat room people, don't tell my name, don't say my name. It's not a problem. I won't say your name. Um, but the chat room is open. You can also email us a question at suggestions at the keys 107 networkcom and also jump on the website, dot thekeys107network.com. You can find out some more information and get a link directly to Chris Hickey's website. So we have talked a lot about qualities of an admired man, and I just wanted to segue into um, this this concept that 
it seems that this is all about human development. Is is that really the idea when we talked earlier about the fantasy father, the child growing up in a community, seeing other fathers on television, listening to stories about other fathers, and then watching the neighbor who may have, have maybe a two-parent home? Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, thank you very much. It is about human development and community building. You know, when we're able to, to recognize, I, I, I still go around in the community, and I'll ask young men, I'll see a congregation, I'll ask them, are you an admired man? And sometimes they'll have a befuddled look on their face because they wonder why am I talking to them <laughs> and what kind of odd question is that. But I'll ask them again, are you an admired man? And, and, and they'll say, invariably say, what do you mean? I say, does anybody admire you? Mm. And they generally say yes, and then I ask why. And you should see the expressions and the pouring out of emotions when I ask <laughs> like them why. Like deer in the headlights. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes. Wow. And and it's really beautiful when one of their friends are with them, even if it's mm-hmm. a, a young lady or a, a group of them, because when they start to try to construct why, their, their friends will chime in. So wait a minute. You was just doing this last week, you know. You, was, you know, and so it gives. And then, like you're right, it's, a, it's it's illuminating to them that there's behaviors I'm supposed to have if you want people to admire you. And people, and what and what I leave them with is, people are watching you all of the time, and they're evaluating mm. you all of the time. So when that's going on, are they admiring you? And mm. I love how they when when we finish converse, our conversations. Across the board, and I'd still do it. And I don't care what kind of guys. I talk to gangbangers. They look a little different when I leave them. You know, like, mm. wow, the people are watching. Adults are watching you. Children are watching you. So when they are, do they admire you? And why? Mm. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's community building. And when I have a group of people, there's a lot of love that happens after when we, when we finish talking about building up your your relationship with not just your family but with your community. Well, Chris, I wow. think this is a good time to um, bring in one of our callers, 917-943. Your mic is live. Check in. Um, good good evening. To good evening. Welcome host to the Keys 107. Good evening. Thank you. Um, you know, <laughs> that's a, I'm I know that so laugh. Much, so much. <laughs> I, I know who this is. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, don't say my name. Don't say my name. Oh, I'm joking. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm listening to so much, and there's so many things that. Oh, this is a very touchy subject, as as uh, uh, the host and I have had many a discussion on. Um, our role, my role as a father, um, as a, a a leader in my community. In in that, I'm a family man, and I'm dedicated to my family, and I take care of my family. Um, the admired man, I think, is a, is, a, is a fantastic description because sometimes admired men are not necessarily fathers, but surrogate fathers, maybe a stepfather, maybe a, a guy in the community that mentors with, um, children or or just, just the kind of guy that other men look up to, young men look up to in particular. Um, my question, though, really comes in how do we shift the focus of young men from what is generally important to young men, which is not being a father or leader in the community or even a success, but the pursuit of more material goals. 
Uh, it seems like in our community, and, um, and please interrupt me at any time because I can go on and on forever, but it seems like um, in our communities, young, young men are distracted by a lot of material pursuits and then inundated with a lot of emotional disruption. So there, there is the, 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 the issue of being coming from a broken home, um, coming from a dysfunctional home, in addition to the heavy media attraction towards the pursuit of material things. And very little is important is placed on being a family man. And so as a young man, being a family man, you're almost laughed at. It's not until you become older and more successful and more stable that the community tends to admire you. At least that's how you view it. The reality of it is, like you said, everybody's watching you and everybody's judging you. And the question you should ask yourself is, am I an admired man? But the question, as I'm just reflecting to my young man days, was uh, can I get the nicest car? You know, can I have the nicest chain? Or, or you know, these are just basics, and I'm not so young, so I maybe make an 80s reference without realizing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, well, Carl, thank, thank, thank you very much. You know, it's 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 interesting. It's a, it's a complex question, but a simple question, a simple answer. Um, one of the things that I that I share with men when they ask, well, what can we do with the young men? And I end up saying, they're going to do what they see, and so we mm-hmm. you, we need to you have to focus on you, and they will see it. You know, we can tell them anything. And I know the call, I can tell uh, from the caller that you are doing that. So I'm giving you that credit. You are doing that, and you may not see the results of it right now. Sometimes what happens is is you don't see the results of it until they become fathers, and then they start to try to emulate the fathers that they've seen or the mentors they've seen. But you may not see it in their behavior right now. But it's getting in. If, we, if enough of us, and that's what I tell a room full of men, we have to be that. We have to be there. Don't worry about them. If they see that in us, ultimately, because they do see it, and they recognize it, and when they see that you admire, then they, you know, it's just a matter of of confidence in themselves that they can do it. And that's one of the reasons why, the other answer is that's one of the reasons why near the back of the book I have skills, specific things that, that you can work on and have them discuss. We are in the process right now of developing a comprehensive curriculum based on those skills. In the book, I think I used about 25 pages to talk about these skills. But now we're putting together a comprehensive curriculum where we can sit down with men and spend hours and hours digging deep, digging deep into the to these quality characteristics and behaviors, but more specifically into the skills that demonstrate these quality characteristics and behaviors. And some of these skills are creativity, appearance, health and fitness is very important, self-respect, being respectful, self-control, self-esteem, leadership development, critical thinking, things like that, decision-making and listening and active listening. So those are the things that we're putting together, comprehensive curriculum to help in what the, what the caller is asking about, some, something that we can use, bring young men in, and work with them on it. Mm. Mm. Now, um, this is Brother James, and I, I need to say this, that uh, that particular call on the line once inboxed me and used the word admiration in it. And I will tell you, just like um, 
when we meet these young men and we have to say something to them about something that we admire of them because the feeling I received when someone said they had some admiration for me made me to yeah. sit back and reflect and and it actually motivated me to do something better, you know. Yeah. I, I can't wait till tomorrow comes because tomorrow I'm going to try to do something better, you know, to yeah. earn that worthiness of being called an admired man. You know? And so a good and, exercise, we talked about a good exercise is to ask them, are they admired and why? And have them come mm. up with quality characteristics of their own for being admired. And once they say it, and we were talking about the neuroscience, once they say it, then they can't hide from it because they know mm. it. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, i got a few things, and I don't want to dominate, but um, Carla, is there anything that you want to um, – um, add or ask again to uh, Dr. Hickey as as you're still on, live on the line. Oh, I was actually wondering if I still was live. Yes, um, you are. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing really. I don't know if I want to add anything. Um, I actually asked myself the question that Dr. Hickey actually asked, and do I consider myself an admired man? And I'm I'm, I'm actually happy to say that I do. Um, Great. I do consider myself an admired man because I love my family. Um, wow! Because I, I work hard. I mean, I'm retired now, and, and I'm both fortunate and unfortunate at a young age. I'm, I'm retired, but um, I did work hard. Um, I provide for my family, and I, and I do a pretty good job providing for them. So, and I think I'm, I'm an example for my nieces, my nephews. For my nieces, the kind of man you should want to be with. For my nephews, mm. the kind of man you should want to be. Um, I, and 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 you know as. Brother James said, James, he, he sits high on my list of, of, of brothers to be admired, a family man, a dedicated, hardworking. Um, and, I, you know, I got to stop saying, um. <laughs> but these are, these are the qualities I think I, I embody, and it's a result of um, bro- brothers like James, but most importantly for my own father. So I, I'm not the statistic. I'm my, my parents were together till death. So... Uh, I was I had that advantage going for me, but my father was an exceptional example of not a perfect man, but an exceptional example of what a father should be. So mm. Mm. I am very happy with this caller. I wanna I wanna brother James, make sure that me and the caller can connect. I want him to have a book and I am I'm overwhelmed by his testimony and I particularly appreciate him owning being an admired man, and that's what young men need to see. They need to see us own that. And too much in our society, there's this thing about ego and things like that. This is not ego. This is just this mm. is modeling what you should own in it. And so I, I am very appreciative of what the what the caller is saying, and I I most definitely want to connect with them. Definitely, um, Chris, we'll make that happen. We're yeah. gonna make that happen because I I just have to let you and our Keys family know that um, this caller is my brother, my youngest brother Kim, <laughs> oh my baby my brother Kim. <laughs> That's oh, why did I know nah. that laugh? <laughs> I said no, oh, say my yeah. name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. Well, you, well, you make sure you make sure that uh, that I'm able to get him a book. Because he deserves it, and I, I love. I mean, he warmed my heart when he said, "I am an admired man." That's mm. and and, and mm. I'm like, I said, did this guy read the book? He said, "Because of how I am with my family." <laughs> mm. Mm. Wow. 
we might have to make the T-shirt out of that. I am an admired man. I personally think that's a great idea. I, I think yeah. the, um, the, the Dr. Hickey, you, you, you are 100% right. We get too caught up in, in, in trying to be modest. And, and yeah. we don't say it loud enough. And I, I think that this is the one quality that I've been able to develop that I'm definitely proud of. There's a lot I'm not proud of, unfortunately. But this is the one quality I'm very proud of. And you're right. Say it loud so everybody else hears it. It's, it's right. a big deal. And, and you, you have children, right? Yes, I do. Good. I and have two children. Wow. Wow. And it's just you're going to, you're going to see that this develops in them. And your your best days are ahead of you, my friend, because you're setting up tone in your family that is just going to blossom. Well, I thank you. Thank you for that. Well, we are so well, excited to announce that, um, Chris, we were chatting in the Facebook chat room <laughs> while we were talking, <laughs> and uh, Chris has authorized the Keys 107 network, the Keys 107, to give away Two books. Now he's giving away three books because that's not included, Chris, in that one you just gave away. <laughs> so oh. we are giving away two books. It's on Facebook. All you got to do is inbox us, or you can even uh, email us later at suggestions at the keys one hundred seven network dot com. And I'm um, going to put you guys in the chat room and let the other callers on the switchboard know that if they want to speak, make a comment about an admired man, they have to hit the number one on their keypad. Otherwise, I think well, you're just hovering. Well, Rafika, before you put him in the chat room, I wanted to kind of, because um, there's so much I had on my <laughs> mind as I was reading this book, but, you know, the concept about a good father Bad father, because it touches that in in the book, uh, Chris. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I wanted to hear your take on that, and also, I know that very lightly, you touched on the different perceptions um, or the ethnic stereotypes between that of black and Latino fathers' involvement with their children, and how it differs from the white American males uh, involvement mm-hmm. with their children. And I only put that out there because, for me, I know my listening audience is largely um, men and women that look like us, you know, so yeah. I know my target audience. And I know that this is something they want to know more about because I think you said later down the line you'll do a more complete analysis of yes. this perception and, and whatnot. Can you lightly talk on that? Yes. Um, one of the things that, that that I was able to do are, I, I guess I'll start it this way, with respect to differences in cultures, what I found mm-hmm. is that one of the things that's not different is emotions, how people feel. Mm-hmm. And so across the board, in all ethnicities, because and as you know in the book, I, I interviewed people of all ethnicities. And when mm-hmm. I was able to get them to get dig deep into how they feel, there were no differences in how they felt. About those qualities, about loving, people feel that they're being loved. Everyone that I talked to felt the same kinds of things, and it comes through in these stories. The thing that's different that our cultures affect is how we behave or how we show it. And so some cultures, they're very stoic, and they, they don't, they've been trained not to show their emotions, but the emotion is there. 
they're just not showing it. And so this is what I've found in, in, in the research that I've done across the board, not just in this country but in other countries, the basic feelings or emotion were the same. When people did not have their fathers or did not feel love and family and hardworking and these other qualities from the, the men in their families, it was hurtful to them. But many of them mm. were very clear that they cannot show that because their culture does not allow that. You know, we, mm. we have, uh, his, uh, uh, in some, some cultures, men are very, very demanding and rough and, 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 and you can't cry and, and you, know, you, know, you know what I'm saying. But when I'm yeah. able to get them and have conversations with them about how they felt about certain things, the tears flow. I didn't care what what ethnicity they were or what country they were. Mm-hmm. And so what we need to do is, and some of these cultures are starting to change, and they're starting to be, oh, we see it even politically, people are starting to get outrageous about how they're being treated by the government in this country. And so it's an issue of feeling, and, and you talked about it earlier, feelings and emotions. If we are able to identify those things, we'll find that it's cross-cultural. People like to feel loved. They like to feel right. appreciated. They love to feel mm. admired. And no matter how tough mm. some of these men were, when I talk to them about does anyone admire you, a smile comes when they can think of someone. <laughs> or when mm. they, when, uh, who do you admire? When someone thinks of someone, a smile comes. Now, unfortunately, there were people that told me nobody, and there was no smile. Mm, that's sad. You know, and I yeah. still I still interview people, you know, when I'm doing book signing and things of that nature, I'll ask people randomly, name a man you admire. And it's unfortunate that the number of people that say, there's no man that I admire. And then they will start telling me stories about, they'll start telling me, unfortunately, very often those stories are about, about their father. It started with him. And, you know, were you married? Yes. I married a man just like my father. My brother's just like my father. And they would just go on there, right on down the line. You know, and they'll say, I don't, I don't admire any man. You know, so, uh, but in answer to your question, the short answer is, is I'm finding that there is no difference with respect to our emotions. The difference is in how we show them and, and, and the acceptability of expressing your emotions. Chris, wow. if I could wow. just go yes. back to what we were talking about, the titles of your chapters. And I, want, I just wanted, from your perspective, we know what honesty means, but in reference to or in relationship to your research, yes. what does the title Honesty Count mean? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, I'm so glad you asked that because that's, that's the one that I like to talk about. For example, uh, where I talk about the skills. Um, we have the quality characters and behavior, but for, for people to really understand what they mean, that's when we need to get into the skills. And so one of the things I like to talk about is honesty. For example, in the community that I grew up in, if I laid my cell phone down and wasn't watching it and someone came along and took it, for them they may not have been being dishonest for a number for two particular reasons. One, if it really meant something to me, I would not have left it. I would have been watching it. And two, if they don't take it, somebody else will. And so I grew up in a community that if you take something nobody's watching, that's not being dishonest. And so 
this is where we need to get into the skills where people can understand what honesty is. And these are the skills like like self-control and self-respect, getting them to understand how do you feel if someone takes your thing. And some kids are really, 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 some, some, some communities, that's not good enough. They feel like, you know, if I, if I laid it down, somebody's supposed to take it. And so the, the point is, is that, is that some of these things can mean different things to different people. And so this is why I tell stories about it so that you can understand what it means to the people. So in the stories, they talk about honesty, and they talk about what it means to them. And in these stories, people will find, you know, some like thoughts that they have about honesty. But the important thing is digging into the skills so that we're teaching honesty, digging into the skills so that we're teaching how to demonstrate loving. Now, because, you know, when, when you've been away from it and haven't had it, it's something that you just can't blatantly use the word honest. You know, I, I hope that, that touches on it a little bit. Well, I, I certainly do think that, and I just got a little distracted, Chris. Uh, we have a comment from the, blog, the chat room in Blog Talk Radio, and Smith Publish says, I'm sure many of the young men that are incarcerated have underlying pain due to not having men in their lives that they admire. What are some of the suggestions to help these men overcome destructive behaviors? Mm-hmm. Well, that is the <laughs> that is the hundred thousand dollar question. Um, however, I, I will say this: I am talking with. Um, I, I guess it's okay for me to say I'm talking to a prison system here in California about the curriculum. They're waiting for me to put the curriculum together because they are even recognizing that they have to do something other than just the punitive uh, things that, that go on in prison. They have to start working on the skills. Now, one of the things that, that they have been doing is they're trying to give some some of the inmates um, skills for employment. Uh, that seems to be, you know, the direction, but they're finding out that there's social skills, there's some undoing that has to happen. And that's one of the things that, yeah. that we're going to do with our curriculum is we got to, we can't just build up something nice and glamorous on top of some rubbish. We have to do some, burn, right. some, dis, some, some tearing down of who they are and getting them to accept that it's okay and, and to be vulnerable enough to tear down. And that's one of the things I was able to do with some of the interviews is get people to come away, take the, take the mask off and let's get deep. And so, some of the prisoners, uh, prisons, particularly the ones that I'm dealing with now, are recognizing that there's some undoing that has to happen, and then we can do some rebuilding. And they're recognizing that just preparing them for, for, for job skills is not good enough. You, you mentioned honesty. Mm-hmm. Getting them to understand what honesty is, honesty in character is, 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 going to, is, is in line with rebuilding who the man is and getting him to see himself different. When he sees himself different, then the others will fall in line and see him different. But they have to undo who they are and, 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 and take away. You know, we get very proud of who we are, and we own it. You know, I'm who I am. I'm being myself. Well, you got to stop being yourself and start being something else, and then you'll recognize that that is yourself. And so the, mm. that's, I, I think that's the best answer I have for it now. We're working on a curriculum. And the primary thing is we have to undo who they are and rebuild them. Uh, 
Mm. Wow. That that's a heavy question coming from an area where we discuss about the statistics, you know, um 70% of the men in there are father were fatherless, but think about this, men in prison who had fathers, but the, maybe yep. that father wasn't the best example. So that good dad or good father, bad father syndrome, you know, um it, I, I, I've said this in the past that, you know, I, I I wasn't given a manual when I stopped producing babies so I can become a father. It, it was no father's manual. But I can mm-hmm. clearly hear what you're saying to us today that not only do we need a father's manual, we need a, a man's man manual, an admired man's manual. <laughs> and you're producing that for us, so we really are grateful for you. And I don't think it's ever too late to learn. Um but I want to say one other thing too, because you said that in that um, Cody, uh, the monster Cody, and the other gentleman who became murderers, you know, um, and had these um, these very negative behaviors. One of yes. the things that was common in both of them was they didn't feel wanted. Yes, mm-hmm. they didn't feel yeah. wanted, and I remember reading a story somewhere where it spoke about not only do we want our children to feel wanted, we have to make sure that they also equally feel needed. Yes. Meaning you you was talking about the skill set. So if they're looking at a dad and the dad is not employable, he's not a carpenter, he's not a security man, he's not a plumber, he's not a teacher, He's not doing anything. He's not needed. So a child already assumes he's not needed. He has to be wanted and needed, meaning wanted meaning love, needed meaning we need you to help us, to help society. And I think if you infuse that into men who already were thrown away years of their lives in the prison system, that they're still wanted and they're still needed, the value, their self-worth, may be raised to a level in which now they can become um, prominent members of our society and productive members of our society. So this is, a, you know, you're hitting on a, something that, man, can change the world, you know, at least one, one person at a time. Yeah, they, you know? uh, I, I like what you're saying, that, that, that needing to be needed and, and that their life matters, that they matter. Yes. And so when you're able to 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 show that you matter and the person you're dealing with matter and there's this mutual mattering uh, we were talking about earlier, this it doesn't then it doesn't matter whether they have employment or anything. It's children want you to matter to them and for them to matter to you. And that mm-hmm. that's where their value that's where they get their value from. Is do they matter? You know, and then so the skills Help us to 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 articulate how they matter and how you matter. Right. Men have to rebuild themselves. It's hard to make a young man feel good about himself if you don't feel good about yourself. Mm. You know? mm. And so we have to deconstruct some of the some of the some of the ideas we have about value. What gives you value? You know, showing mm. your children a certain amount of love is far more. And the guy up in Isla Vista. Show, talked about that. It's far more important than giving them a new BMW. Mm. Now, if you have that love and then the BMW, 
Ain't nobody mad at you. <laughs> but you have that's to ask right, them. That's right. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's right. That's what, of course, that's what my daughter would say, Dad, I'll take the BMW, too. You know? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> But you have, but you have, but you have to have that. You know those other qualities and characteristics. Otherwise, the BMW becomes something that this kid just drove around and shot people. Bro, mm-hmm. it, it becomes it becomes the fantasy. Yes. Well, Chris, um, we have Smith Publish, who's in the Blog Talk Radio chat room, and he has a, another question. He says, um, also, what are the suggestions for single mothers raising sons? And how can they best serve their sons in having admired men modeled? Well, one of the things that, I, that I'm very particular about with single mothers is being very, very conscious and considerate of the men you expose your children to. Mm. You know, I think that is number one because, again, they're watching. And, and by and large, young men and young, young teenage girls, they're not going to say anything. You know, if that's your boyfriend or that's your friend or, or whatever, they're not going to say anything uh, by and large. But be conscious and considerate of the characteristics and qualities and behaviors of the people you expose your children to. And then, you know, one of the things that, you know, and seek out the other men in your family that do have the kinds of qualities, your brother or your uncle or Grandfathers are, are, are coming out really strong when I talk to people. People really, really say that my father mentored my son. Um, mm. And so those are coming out really strong. But my number one issue here is being very careful about the men you expose your children to. And then number two, the book is very good for women to understand the kinds of things that men feel about themselves and the kinds of self-talk that they do with respect to being being admired men or not. And so it's good for women to recognize the kind of behaviors that they can have with their son. One of the things that 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 women often do is that when their when their sons don't want to don't have fathers and they want to make sure that they're men is that they're rough with the sons. They you know, they're very very particular mm-hmm. about their sons' behavior. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, I'm afraid of getting snapped at the grocery store because I'll see a mother snatching on her son, and I want to tell her, look at the, look at the look on his face when you do that. Yes, that yes, say it again. Anger. Look at the look yes. on his face when you do that. When you when you mm. yell at him in the supermarket. Now I can I can walk down to the next aisle and I see a man with his son. He say, "Boy, get over here." The boy just walks right on over there and stands still. Yes. But when oh, the mother goodness. yells at him. You know, they do not like that, you know, because you're hurting them deep. And so, and then they end up taking that out on, when they get older, taking it out on other women, <laughs> you know. But so that that is kind of the genesis of my advice is being particular about how you behave, who you expose your children to, and understanding the need for a boy to explore who he is and not be as concerned about what kind of man he's going to be you know, but just exposing him to the kinds of things that, you know, getting him in the in the YMCA and things like that, the boys go, let him play basketball, but don't try to be his father. Do not try to be his father. Now, one of the things that I say, and I agree, women tell me all the time, it does not take a man to raise a boy. No, it doesn't. A woman can do that, but you cannot be his father. You know, and so understanding that you're his mother 
and making him understand that, you, that mother and that you are not a man, and then let him and then expose him to the to the men that that do come across your life that you have been very very particular about with respect to the the characteristics that they have. I've done that my, my, myself. I was very very I, this men in my family. Uh, I have brothers that they did particular things that they were awful people. But I, for example, I hope they're not listening. Well, I had one brother like go to jail when, when, you know, when we was growing up. And so when I would take my children over to my mother's house and they would say, oh, you know, where's so-and-so? Oh, he in jail. Well, I didn't like it if they said it as if that's okay, like he's on vacation. I wanted my children to think jail is awful. And so I had to make that point is that just because it's something common with him, this is not the norm for you, you know. And so, so I had to limit his, their exposure to him, not because I didn't love him, not because he didn't love them, but it was just the whole idea of going to jail was no big deal. I didn't want them mm-hmm. to feel that way. So it's being aware of, and that's a lesson for men and women, being aware of the people that your children are around and the kinds of quality, characteristics, and behaviors that they have. Because if they have a role where they can be admired by your children, that's their uncle or that, you know, then they can adopt those kinds of things, particularly if they don't have a father to counteract that. Well, Chris, I want you to hold that thought right there. We have some new callers on the line, and we're going to break very briefly. I promise everybody, you are listening to The Keys 107. We have Dr. Chris Hickey on the line, author of Admired Man, Why? The Making of an Admired Man, Story, Skills, and Theory. We'll be right back. The first are a family of clouds up in the sky Keeping the earth clean so you will be alright They'll teach you your ABCs and your A to the B Look for help and The Fluff presents the alphabet is available on Amazon.com And on Kindle So get your copy today For more information Go to www.thefluffamily.com Rafika Consultants and Services Technology Trainers. Do you need help making your computer or smartphone work for you? Whether it's managing your email, navigating Windows 8, working with MS Office, creating videos for YouTube, or any other technology need, our friendly and expert trainers are ready to help you get it right. We also provide public relations and web design project management. For more information, contact us at www.rafikacs.com or on Facebook at Rafika Consultants and Services. Well, we're back. Is everybody with us? Rafika? You're listening to the Keys 107. Opening doors to endless possibilities. In the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness. With your host, Rafika, Rafika. and Brother James.
now I think we're officially back. I'm sorry about that, folks. But this has been a lively conversation, and we we definitely are thankful, Dr. Hickey, that you're on board with us. We have a call on the line um, um, uh, by, by the name of Herb. Herb, uh, Herb are you, or, or can you hear us, Herb? Herb, are you on the line? Yes, I am. All righty. You are live with Dr. Chris Hickey, and uh, you can make your statement or your comment um, or question for him. Um, well, it's, it's going to be kind of brief. Um, I think back to the 70s when they had the movie uh, Claudine out, and, uh, you know, she was a single mother, and she had a, a gentleman coming to her life and uh, was, you know, able to provide her with some things, you know, help out in the household. But the system, uh, she was on welfare, and the system, mm-hmm. uh, once they had that man come into the home and was able to provide a little something, they wanted to take away her her support through the government. And, um, you know, you fast forward now to, you know, the 2000s, 2015, um, there's still certain things like that in place. And does that make it difficult for if if a, uh, a mother was to find a, a suitable man to come into her life? Um spend time with the children and, and, and help, you know, the young men grow and mature. Um, but then any assistance that she's getting from the government will be taken away from her. Isn't that counterproductive? Well, uh, I, I, first of all, there's a couple of thoughts I have. First of all, Claudine was one of my favorite movies. Uh, so thank yeah, you for bringing yeah. that to my attention. Uh, and it was, I, I love the story in it, but I particularly, I love Gladys Knight. And I can, as soon as you said that, I started hearing Gladys Knight singing to me. So uh, <laughs> I, I want to thank you. <laughs> I want to thank you for that. Uh, I have to admit, Herb, I, I, I don't want to profess to be an expert in that. Uh, okay. I, I, I think my feelings would be, you know, I can tell you my personal feelings, but I, I do want to preface it. These are my own personal thoughts. And that is, there has to be some balance. If this is a quality man, then mm-hmm. then then he needs to start taking it on himself. You know that you know because because and, and again, this, these are my own personal things, and I have to I have to apologize because I know that that people have different situations. But mm-hmm. I know for myself, growing up, you know, we were on welfare. And so my thinking hmm. while we were on welfare, if my mother had a boyfriend or a man, what, what the heck? If we still on welfare, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but those are my own scars. And so that's why I'm, I'm I'm trying to be very careful. Those are my own scars. Uh, but I remember thinking that what's the heck? If we're still in the same situation, then what's right. it for? You know, and right. but I, I realize I, I absolutely again know that that's not the answer. <laughs> And I'm guilty. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guilty. <laughs> well, and and that's fine. That's fine. And you know, I I think with with everything, you have a a crawl, a walk, and a run phase. And yeah. you know, somewhere in between that crawl and that walk phase, you know, you don't know how things are going to turn out. So you know, I mean, you know, at that point, you know, you're not 100 percent into that relationship. You might be about 85, 90 percent in. But you mm-hmm. know, still at that point, I think for the you know, the government aids that are out there for single mothers, I think that being taken away from them just because they can show that they have an association with somebody else who, you know, has a steady income, I just think that's that's, uh, counterintuitive. Yeah, and thank you for that. Thank you for that because you've helped me to understand there's some phases. 
And one of the things, mm-hmm. even in Claudine, is you you recognize that that you know he decided that he wasn't going to let that keep him from being part of the family. And so, That's yeah, I, I agree with you that there can be some phases. There should be some some recognition that there's going to be some transition, um, possibly. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more with respect to that. And and thank you for enlightening me on that, that, that you know, it doesn't have to be all or none, you know, but right. but a, a, a phasing. And it, I absolutely recognize that if you just snatch, snatch it away, you, you haven't helped it when this possibly no. could have been a good situation. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you for that. Oh, oh yes, Herb. Also, uh, I absolutely want to make sure that you uh, get one of the books. Okay, great. Thank okay. you. So I'll, I, I will talk take with back you. All right. I'll talk to the host, well, and, and they, they'll make that arrangement. Yeah, you Thank can you. Um, just inbox us, Herb, your your information. Um, just hang on, listen in. Don't, don't hang up yet, uh, Herb. We're going to bring you into the chat room, and myself or Brother James will give you, um, you know, give you an opportunity to give us your information. And welcome to the Keys 107 Network. Um, this is such an exciting show, uh, Chris. We may have to do a part two. I hope so. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think your your reach is far because our friend in the chat room, you know, he tells me that he has an autographed copy of of your book, whoever oh. Smith Publish is. <laughs> oh, oh yes, yes. Well, I, I know who Smith Publish is. Uh, yeah, we're going to be wrapping a, up. It, it is a, a woman. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, we we're, we're going to be wrapping up shortly, but before we go and before we go any further because you never know here on the Keys 107, Chris and our listening audience, Herb and Kim and, you know, Aisha and those who are on the line, at any moment someone can call us and take the conversation to a whole other level. So before we get to that point, if we get to that point tonight, please give out your your website address, your Facebook handle, your Twitter, your Facebook, so that whoever needs to reach you can can, can get in touch with you. Okay. And most importantly, Absolutely. how can we get this book? Yes, of course. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, do you want me to share that information now? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, my website is admiredman.com, admired, E-D. Uh, the book is available at Married Man Why on Amazon. It's available on paperback and um, and and Kindle. But you can get to Amazon. You can get directly to it from my website. My Facebook, Admired Man, is uh, let me make sure I, I tell you the right one. Is Admired Man, and my Twitter is Admired Men. Uh, search search on Facebook for the Admired Man Leadership Institute. That's where you'll find uh, Admired Man, Admired Man Leadership Institute. And the uh, Twitter is Admired Men is the handle for Twitter. And, of course, through your hosts, if you contact your hosts here, they can always reach me, and they'll help us make a connection, I'm sure. Uh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm absolutely looking for people to give me feedback on the book. We're going to do some, again, we're working on a comprehensive 
Uh, we're working on a comprehensive uh, curriculum, and I want to get feedback. Uh, some of the information, like, for example, what Herb said, I'm taking that into account. I wrote that down. I said, okay, I can't be personal. i got to think about other people's situations. And so that's why I'm wanting to get feedback from people that have had different experiences and so forth because it's not about me. This is about what's good for our community and what's good for our children and what's good for our men and our women in our lives. So it's not, you know, um, what, what, what Chris thinks. <laughs> but Chris, your your story, your your journey is is what inspired you to get this started. And I think talking to the forty seven hundred or more people that you had a chance to interview, um, this 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 will take it to another level. We also want to give you some time to talk about your organization, Each One Teach One Alliance for Academic Access, Achievement, and Success. Oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, that started. That's a nonprofit organization I started several years ago, and the idea there initially was to encourage kids to study math, science, and technology. My profession is technology, and uh, so I was interested in. And I, I happened to work at a college prep high school, a very prestigious college prep high school in Los Angeles that my children happened to attend. And I recognized, and these are rich people, just to put it frank. And I recognized the tremendous the tremendous advantage that they had based on the way they were being taught. So when my children left the school, uh, it became less fun and more of a job, and that's when I created Each One Teach One. I wanted to come back to my community and share the things that I had learned about academic achievement from the other side. And one of the things, again, uh, had to do with how the kids felt. You know, the academics was easy because the teachers, the whole premise of the school was the children feeling good about themselves, regardless of what academic achievement they seem to have. And so each one, teach one was born to just kind of bring some of the skills that I learned from that experience back to my community and to encourage kids to study math, science, and technology, to really kind of put them into the track of success and to college. So one of the other things that we do is I do a workshop. I do workshops um, under that banner. For parents, I do a workshop on uh, creating a college-going culture at home, school, and community. I do another workshop on the, uh, a father's role in academic achievement, things like that. And we also do, we have a big success in L.A. on our free SAT prep workshop. We put on free SAT prep workshops for kids from all over, you know, and it's free. And we, we have it, again, which affected them feeling good, we have it in a plush hotel. We're starting to have it in mm. churches, but we want it away from the school. Kids don't want to come up back to the school for something. So we have them in plus hotels by the airport. They're treated like royalty because I've worked with the hotel and said, this is how I want those kids treated. Their parents are involved. And the kids, I get kids from all over. And I don't care what their academics is. I don't care. I don't even tell them to pull their pants up. They come in looking any kind of way they want. But when they get there and they see that they're treated with respect and they're treated with admiration, they change. Some of the boys that have their pants around their ankles, they pull them up because they're being mm -hmm. treated well. And so this is what we That's do with our – and they perform better. This is what amazes me is when parents come back and say, you know, Bobby wasn't even interested in this, but now he's concerned with his grades. And that's because he was in an environment where academic achievement was something that helped him to feel good, and that's something that – what, what I used to call it wasn't proof that you're dumb. You know, too often in our communities, our schools serve to show us how dumb we are. You know, by giving us tests and then mm. say, okay, you messed up again, you know, so I'll give you another one. <laughs> you know, so 
what we do is we change it around and make the kids feel good, and we have, we have a tremendous amount of success with that. And that's what – and it's not going away. I'm still working with each one, teach one. I, I still do my workshops for parents on creating the college phone culture at home, school, and community. And one of the things I share with them, doesn't matter what community. You don't have to live in Malibu or Brentwood. You can still do this in any community in your home, and you'll start to see it affect the other kids in your community if there's certain things that you do. And primarily is that when you show you care, when you show you care and you make sure your kids feel good about whatever it is they're doing, they do better and their friends do better. And their friends' parents start to understand, and then it just grows. And I watched that happen in other communities. And in fact, I was involved in it. My kids went to the school before I worked there, but it was because I had something to give. The school and the parents said, you know, we need to have this guy be our technology uh, director because I brought something, you know, and that surprised me. And so that's what I try to bring in my community is that camaraderie and that caring about the entire community. Wow. So I think mentorship is a key component. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. Mentorship and, and, and being in the – we're mentoring all of the time. That direct mentorship and that direct effect on kids, but keeping in mind you're mentoring when you're walking down the street. Kids are watching. Kids are watching. And that's the message that I tell men all the time. They are watching and they are learning based on you. And if you're the father at home, they're really learning from you. That's mm-hmm. what they learn. But the that's other right. ones are, are you know, they're picking up from you. And yeah, all of us know that have children. You know, the kids, the older they get, the more they act like you. you know? <laughs> Even mm-hmm. when they don't want to. That's right. You know, the more, Even when they the don't want they to. they act like you. Even when they don't want to. Yeah. You know, when they criticize it. They, <laughs> my daughter said to me once, I found a book in the in the garage that said, opened it up and it said, it was her math book when she was in junior high school and it said, I love math. And I called her and told her, I said, I found your book and said, I love math. And she said, I don't know why I said some." She used the expletive, but I don't know why I said something like that. And I laughed with her. I said, I know why, because that's what you heard all the time. You love math. Mm. So you couldn't help it. <laughs> you know. so, so you turned it you around. Know. You turned it around. Yeah. Well, I know why we you, have you, another you wrote it. Oh, go ahead. We have another caller that, that has their hand raised, and I'm only just um, kind of cutting what you and I were just saying a little short because we're getting close to that closing hour, and I just want that caller if – that is what I see. Is that number one really pressed? Uh, three four seven six nine seven. Your mic is live. Yes. Can you hear me? Oh, loud Hello. and clear. Uh, yeah. This is Aisha Rafika's sister, Aisha, and um, I just wanted to comment on mentorship. Um, I'm part of a program where we do rites of passage and mentorship programs, and um, mentorship is, is crucial in uh, working with the young kids and also. Uh, not only mentorship, but as you also said, uh, living by example. Kids follow example more than they do uh, words. And so as we live by example, uh, mentorship. And the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, one of the things that I talk to young girls about is the the choices that they make and learning how to, uh, that it's okay to uh, look at a, a young man in, in terms of his character and his his family uh, structure and and to kind of interview him and that and that's okay we don't teach that to our girls that uh, partnership is valuable and one thing that I think I would like to see happen more and more in our community is the emphasis on marriage. You know we oh, kind of got away from that. 
but I think we should marriage should be what a young girl aspires to and and holds out for and accepts nothing less than and um I can mm. say that from as an example having lived um through the 60s and uh, the kind of free love era and you know living together but I as I've matured I I've grown to understand and feel that that concept of marriage is crucial the person that you pick as your life partner is not a decision that should just be made solely on uh, emotion and good looks, but should have a strategy involved with it. I don't know how, you know, and those are the things that I teach to young girls. So I just wanted to add that in. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. How are we doing on books? We can give her one, too. And and let me just say, um, Chris, many times, wait, many times, um, Aisha, you know, she calls in and she listens, but rarely does she indicate that she wants to speak. So this is, must be a, a topic that hits home to her and, and I think many, many, many men and women listening to the show today. Yes. Definitely. Well, I would, like to know, I would like to know more about her program. Uh, I think she hit the nail right on the head. But the, and, and the same thing applies to boys. You know, boys can make decisions. Uh, one of the, she reminded me of another strategy that I used for my own daughter. When my daughter went to college and she started dating. I always had her, and this is a gift for you men. Whenever she had somebody she was interested in, they had to come to our house, and they had to meet me. And whenever, I don't care what day of time it was, when they came to my house, I had my pajamas on. Every time, and I was telling my put your pajamas on when the boy comes to the house. And some people say, why? And that's because you don't have to say anything. What that means to the young man is, I live here. This is my house. I'm not visiting. I didn't drive by. I, I live here. When you come to pick her up, I'm going to be here. When you bring her back, I'm going to be here. <laughs> you know, that's and right. believe it or not, men that did not have good intentions, I didn't say I was very nice to them. I just sat there and talked to them in my pajamas. Those that didn't mean much good, they never came back. They one guy took her off. He had her. He had her gone for an hour and brought her back. You know, you know, you know. And so it's just. But uh, your your caller was was right on. We have to we have to make decisions and we have to be critical about what we're going to do in our life. And I agree with her. Marriage is important. But make a decision. I tell them, well, make a decision who the mom of your children are going to be. Don't just mm. have them. Make a decision. Mm. If, that, if it's already happened, then, you know, there's some work we could do. But for young men, I tell them, start thinking about it, make a decision, and start constructing the, the kinds of characteristics that you want the mother of your children to have. Because the, the characteristics she has, that's the characteristics your children are going to have. Same thing applies mm. to the women. Make a decision because the characteristics that you bring home, that's what your kids are going to pick up. Now, let me recap some of the characteristics or attributes of an admired man. Hardworking, honest, loving, friend, grandfather, husband, mentor, supportive. You also indicated, well, you said that. Family. Family, yes. Yes. My goodness, it's right here in my face. I'm looking right at the cover of the book. I'm hovering it. Um, You said the number three category was loving is so admirable. You said loving. Yeah. Now, so you can tell, and I can tell by that, by you saying that, these things intermingle with each other. They're not just concrete spots. 
they flow, and you can tell that from the stories because you're really, really in the stories that you know, you see people really saying all of these things. They're saying they go together. They go together. Loving and hardworking and family go together, you know. And so, but these are the ones that were that were mentioned more often. But they flow together, and, and that's what the I like about. Quality was, you said the top family. quality was family. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, I'm very so, honored that my family joined us today in this conversation, and I'm so honored that Chris, you had the time tonight. I know that you're traveling all over and you're going to be even in more demand as the world gets uh, gets to know you and, and the topic of your book. And Keys family, we really have to wrap this one up today. I know we need to do a part two. I could tell by the energy. It's hard to shut it down, but we have to. Uh, I am Rafika, your host. My co-host, Brother James, is definitely in the house tonight. And, you know, Absolutely. If I could just take a moment and, and share when you was talking about how you uh, come out in your pajamas, um, <laughs> you know, my father and my my sister and brother can attest to this. When men came around or boys came around to see us after the age that my father gave us permission to have somebody come to the house, they were very timid to come through the door. And my father wasn't a very a person who yelled. He just was a person who had a presence about himself. Yeah. But um my co-host, <laughs> Brother James, one time, when one of his daughters was contemplating getting married, he took the young man on the steps of, was it City Hall or the courts? Courthouse. Downtown Brooklyn. They... <laughs> <laughs> so he had his first meeting with this young man on <laughs> the courts, <laughs> downtown Brooklyn. <laughs> I love it. That was at a... <laughs> out of convenience, you know, <laughs> just in I case you want right. okay. <laughs> no, I'm going to add it in, you know, if it's at the house, with your pajamas on, if it's going to be somewhere else, that down at your courthouse. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You know, yeah, I love it. You know, that's... Okay, that's, well... Yeah, that, wow. Go ahead, Chris. No, I'm saying, and you know that you don't have to say much after that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you said it all. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on, brother. You know, I think your book is going to be read often and often and often. Pardon me. <laughs> that music means that it's almost time to go. So we want to thank the listening audience once again. This is Brother James. This is the Keys 107. We want to wish each and every one of you love, peace, and happiness. And uh, let's be, become admired men. Let's find an admired man in our lives. And let's promote admired men. As we open doors to endless possibilities here, here on the Keys 107, we want to let you know that your key to opening the door to world travel is here we are going to South Africa in July, the first two weeks of July. Like I said earlier, we're going to Durban, we're going to Johannesburg, and we're going to Cape Town. We're going to visit the cell, 
where Nelson Mandela was held hostage for so many years. We're going to celebrate with the South Africans because we will be there on July 18th, which is Nelson Mandela's birthday. And we're also planning a healthy trip to Grenada coming up in December 2016 with Master Herbalist Patrick Dells, and that's going to be one week of fun in the sun as you get your life together. You can reach us at suggestions at thekeys107network.com. Go to our website, www.thekeys107network.com. You can listen to all of our archive shows. You can listen to us on your mobile device. You can listen to us on your computer. After the show is recorded, you can only listen to the archive. So I thank you so very much for all of you tuning in tonight. And we'd like to thank South African jazz musician Ernie J. Smith for allowing us to close out with this beautiful song called Odette Song. And next show, we are going to premiere Ernie's single, Winner. I had some technical difficulties with that today, but we will premiere that new single, Winner, and Ernie J. Smith is on his way to New York in about one month's time. Good night, Keys family. Pretty.
Baby, baby. 